1: This is the Disability Law Show. Hey, hey, welcome. And it's almost the weekend. It's almost your time to, to cut loose. But first, got to spend a half hour with us and learn something. This is the Disability Law Show. Savannah Tamarkin here. Of course, co-founding partner of Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP. You can reach out any time. By the way, don't be fearful of just having a phone call and educate yourself. Get smarter It's one 821 5900 Again, 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca. Partner Albert Klein here as well. we got a ton of brain power filling in for the next half hour. We're going to talk about, uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, maybe some emails if we have time. But so man, we always start off with the, uh, the case of the day, pal. What do you got on this lovely evening?
2: Absolutely, John. Yeah, no, we, we've, we've had a busy week. Let me tell you about an interesting call we got. This is a gentleman who actually contacted us last year. And what we typically do when uh, individuals contact us about an accident that they've been in or someone that they know, a loved one, a friend has been in and has been injured. Depending on the type of injury that we're dealing with here, we may tell the person, you know what, you know, you're feeling some strain to your back. You have some neck pains, but it's not uh, it's not stopping you from working. Uh, You haven't gone to the doctor. So maybe just give it a few weeks, maybe even a few months, see how that develops. Because if, in fact, at the end of the day, you are better, you know, you're back to 100% within a matter of days or weeks, you know, I don't know that it makes sense for you to pursue compensation. You may want to, uh, but certainly it's not something that we would be able to help you. We typically deal with more complex and, and more serious injuries, certain fractures, torn muscles, concussions, some fatalities, you know, things like that. So we deal with, we have the expertise, we have the resources, the lawyers, myself, Albert, the rest of the team to deal with the more serious injuries across Ontario. So this individual here, let me tell you the facts because it's quite interesting, I think. Uh, back in July of last year, okay, so we're almost a year down the road now, mm-hmm. he was in an accident. He was, uh, he was actually on a, on a motorcycle. And what happened was is that uh, as he was driving, uh, a vehicle pulled in front of him, just out of nowhere. Uh, it turned left in front of him. And so he hit that vehicle. And of course, there is a question whenever you're dealing with a case like that where someone pulls in front of you, you've re-rendered them, or if there's a left-hand turn, liability or the issue of who's at fault is in play, right? It depends on who did the police give a ticket to? What happened mm-hmm. with the ticket? If there is no tickets, you know, what are the rules of the road? It's very factual. But so it doesn't have to be 100 percent the fault of the other driver for you to get compensation. But certainly there has to be a certain measure of fault on the other driver. So in this case, the other car literally pulled out of nowhere. The other car was charged. The driver was charged. uh, I I believe the ticket was either paid or he was convicted. So I'm comfortable that the gentleman who called us is, in fact, uh, correct here in that it wasn't his fault or it was predominantly the driver of the vehicle that is at fault for the accident. The reason this is important is because unless we can establish that the other side was negligent, we don't get past that stage and we can't talk about injuries. So in this case, we passed that. So now we're assessing damages and injuries. So let me give you some information and I have to be careful here because I don't want to breach confidentiality. Mm -hmm. This person uh, is is um, uh, middle aged, let's say, you know, let's put it that way, uh, uh, makes almost six figures. As a salary, Uh, he suffered torn muscles in his shoulder, a fractured hip, uh, uh, knee and ankle injuries, Uh, is waiting, uh, actually undergone some surgeries and is waiting for more surgeries. So you're talking about a significant uh, accident. You're talking about a guy. And if you think about it, you're on a motorcycle, you're being thrown off. I mean, he could have died. So this is very serious. So he's contacting us. And of course, we're telling him, here are what your rights are. Well, what are the rights of a person who's injured in a case like this? Whether you're on a motorcycle or if you're in a car and you are hit by another car uh, and you're injured, what compensation can you get under Ontario law? One thing to consider is that Ontario motor vehicle law is very uh, complex. And when I say complex, I mean, it keeps changing. The government keeps changing the laws. They changed the type of benefits that you may be entitled to from your own insurance company and there is some changes in terms of what you could potentially get by the way of compensation from the insurance company of whoever caused the accident. So it's important to understand that in this case here, this gentleman is going to be entitled to what's called accident benefits from his own insurance company. So, for example, he hasn't been able to go back to work, so he's entitled to up to $400 a week unless he has a, a better policy or unless he's paid for some premiums uh, for, for more money than that. The general policies in Ontario, motor vehicle policies, will pay you up to $400 a week uh, if you cannot work. And after the two-year mark, again, there's an opportunity to get uh, further type of compensation for your income losses. So that's called income replacement benefits. But you're also entitled to certain uh, medical expenses. And, and, you know, there are different types of injuries, different types of, of insurance, let's say, levels from a car from an accident benefit standpoint that would entitle you to certain type of benefits i'm not going to get into them it can be very complex in fact people can you know are free john to email me directly or or uh you're going to give our contact info we can provide people with this information it's available on the internet as well the important thing to understand is as an injured individual in a car accident or a car accident situation you're entitled to accident benefits from your own automobile insurance company mm-hmm. But the bigger claim oftentimes is the claim against whoever was at fault here. Because if this gentleman who is middle-aged and was earning close to six figures annually, if he cannot go back to work or if his ability to earn income has been impaired into the future, he has a major claim against the other driver, the driver who caused the accident. We're talking about a situation where just this gentleman's injuries alone – could be worth 100, 150, maybe $200,000 just for pain and suffering. Add to that potential income losses into the future. You know, if he's making close to six figures and he cannot work for the next, I don't know, 10, 15 years, think about the quantum that we're talking about. Think about what the other driver's insurance company may have to pay, uh, you know, this this person. Now, what about other types of, of damages? What about if he has family members who are helping him now? Well, guess what? Under the Family Law Act, those family members are entitled to certain compensation as well for the time that they've put in to help him now because he's injured. Yes, that's allowed under Ontario law. What about other types of expenses? You know, sometimes, you know, you go to the doctor, for example, you got to pay for parking in the hospital. Well, those are out-of-pocket expenses, and those can add up, especially when you're dealing with repeated visits to the doctors, to the chiropractor, massage therapist, hospital, etc. cetera. So you see, John, a case like this can easily be worth half a million dollars, a yeah. million dollars, maybe even more. But unless you have the right lawyer or the right group of lawyers or law firm dealing with your accident, you could potentially be in a situation where you are undercompensated. And insurance companies know very well who are the top law firms, who are the top lawyers, And that affects how much money they will pay for your accident. And I'm saying this as someone who used to work many, many years ago for insurance companies. If I came across a claim that I had to defend for the insurance company and there was a lawyer or a law firm on the other side that simply didn't have the gravitas, didn't have the experience or the resources, Mm -hmm. I would assess it differently in terms of how much money I thought my client, the insurance company, may have to pay. It's just the reality of things. So something to consider here that you need to be very careful, and this is why we say to people: listen, we got the experience. We're not the only lawyers who do this. One hundred percent, you can see billboards everywhere, but we have a lot of experience. We have resources. We have a lot of credibility with insurance companies, and we get the job done.
1: Albert, what do you think before we uh, get our first break here? What are your uh, what's your viewpoint on that?
3: Yeah, it's absolutely imperative that you get the the right lawyers involved right away. I mean, it. it it makes a massive difference. I also did some defense work as well. And as Savannah was saying, that was one of the first things that we looked at. And really it would change our valuation, crazy or not, because really it should just depend on what, what set of injuries and what set of damages that one particular claimant has. But in fact, we would look right at the law firm, right at that particular lawyer, And that would usually impact how we knew they were going to handle the claim, whether or not they were going to evaluate it properly, whether or not they were scared of trial or not, whether or not they were prepared to fight and take it forward. And usually we were right. And so Savannah's 100% correct.
1: With that, we will give you a phone number, 1-855-821-5900. Anytime to reach out to Savanne or or Albert as well, the respective teams, it is help at disabilityrights.ca. Always use that email, and you can go to mydisabilityquestions.com. There's lots of uh, resources there as well. I, you know, Savannah, I know we got a break in a couple of minutes, but I think a lot of people feel that, you know, in that situation, they shouldn't be, or they feel hesitant to rely on their own insurance. They think the onus is completely on the at fault person, but you're saying the access, it doesn't work that way and you should be taking advantage of it.
2: Good, absolutely. And, you know, it gets even more complex if you have access to short-term or long-term disability, because right. then you have to consider that there is a third insurer potentially Uh, At play here and then John what happens if the person has problems with their employer? Now you have a potential claim against your own insurance company the insurance company of whoever caused the accident Maybe a long-term disability insurer who's giving you a hard time doesn't want to pay you and an employer who's not being understanding and Unappreciative of everything you've done for them. So, you know our firm and by the way, we got offices in Ontario in BC and Alberta we're talking just Ontario here because car accidents are so specific the legislation is so specific in ontario that we just have to make sure people understand what their rights are and that's what we do by the way we don't charge anything up front it doesn't cost anything to talk to any member of our team if you have questions if you have concerns and even if you think that your accident is perhaps not that severe but the injuries and the impact on you is severe we can help you or at least we can you know point you in the right direction a lot of people john sometimes choose to do it on their own, or or again, they'll go to the lawyer that they know who did the real estate transaction when they bought their house, only to end up in a situation where they are severely undercompensated because this is a specialty. You have to know what you're doing, you have to know what you're talking about. So go to the right lawyers.
1: Reach out. Don't get mired in confusion because it takes two seconds to get yourself into trouble. Reach out to Savan and Albert and his team as we get to our first break for the uh, the show this evening. We'll give you the numbers. we get into it. one 855 821 Again, not going to cost you anything just to pick up a phone and chat. You can also email help at disabilityrights.ca. A short break and we'll get right back into it. More of the Disability Law Show is coming up. <laughs> This is the Disability Law Show. All right, welcome back. Your uh, weekend is just about here. We're good. We can close it off for you here this evening on the show. Disability Law Show, indeed. Savannah Tamarkin, of course, is here. Albert Klein, partner as well, answering all the questions. You can reach out anytime. Uh, if you're a little bashful, you want to send an email along and have a further discussion, I'll give you that first. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Phone number's good. one 855 821 5,900. Okay, what we wanted to get into, uh, guys, for the remaining time here is failure to plead certain injuries and losses. Give me some details and expand on that one, Savannah. What are we talking about?
2: So, John, I know we have emails coming in. I want to get to them, but I do want to mention this, and it's it's you know on the heels of what we discussed in the last segment about choosing the right lawyer and law firm if you're injured. And, and, and here's what you need to understand. Uh, when you start a legal claim against whoever was at fault for the accident for compensation it's very important what is in that legal claim what is in the text i'll give you i'll give you an example we had a case years ago uh that we took over from another lawyer because the client actually lost faith in that lawyer and i understood why very quickly when i took a look at that initial legal claim this person suffered a brain injury and yet the lawyer that they hired at the beginning, when when they first started that legal claim, did not plead, meaning they did not actually write anything in the claim about a brain injury. Why is this important? Because that claim then went to the insurance company who would eventually be paying that settlement or a judgment if this went all the way to the court, which most of these cases never do. But the reason it's important is because if you don't tell the insurance company from the absolute beginning the severity of your injuries, they're not going to put money aside or sufficient money aside potentially to settle your claim adequately. And so we had to do a lot of work, get a lot of extra reports, do a lot of things to correct some of the mistakes of the other lawyer. Luckily, we were able to do that. And luckily, we were able to resolve this correctly, adequately, and put you know the correct amount of money in our clients' pockets. Our clients were very happy. But I can tell you right now that if this did not happen if they said with the other lawyer based on the trajectory of what i was seeing how that lawyer handled that claim they probably would have gotten 10 20 cents on the dollar for what the claim was worth so it is absolutely critical that when you are injured or somebody you love is injured severely that you have the right team of lawyers and again i'm not saying we're the only lawyers out there who are competent by no means i have many friends who do personal injury across ontario who know what they're doing that's fine. I'm just saying that we're one of the group. I, I'd like to think that we are. I'd like to think that we are well known in the industry. Insurance companies know us. They respect us based on prior results. They come to us and speak seriously about settlement. So our, our experience, our background, our resources, everything we've done up to this point now works in favor of individuals who retain us, who choose to retain us so that we can advance their claims.
1: Again, guys, reaching out one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the way to do that. Pleading, what is pleading? Statement of claim. Let's get through some of these terms, then.
2: Uh Well, a pleading, a statement of claim, those are basically the initial an, an initial document the document that spells out exactly what your injuries are it spells out what uh happened in the accident the mm-hmm. kind of treatments you got i mean it, it, it's a it's a legalistic te- you know technical uh, uh document that is created by the lawyer but y- you can't just you know punt it off to an assistant to do it some lawyers do that we don't we don't we certainly have precedence every lawyer works off precedence But we focus on, you know, making sure that every claim is specifically worded, that we're not missing anything. We want to start the relationship with the opposing insurance company on the right foot. We want the insurance company to have all the documentation they need so that down the road when we need to try and resolve the claim, right, not drag our client through years of litigation, that we're able to do that because the insurance company understands exactly where we're coming from and the severity of our client's injuries.
1: So speak to the importance of it a little, because some people would see, yeah, me I just write something down, blow it off, send it in, you're done. It, it, there's a lot more to it than that. Going down, going forward with your case, right?
2: It, it, it affects reserves, right? An insurance oh, company. Okay. And by the way, it's not just for personal injury. When you're dealing with, uh, for example, uh, a, a house insurance claim, you had a, a fire in your house or a flood. Mm-hmm. You know, the insurance company knows how much they've insured you for, and if in fact there is a flood, there is uh, insurance. God forbid. Uh, sorry, insurance. If there's a fire, God forbid. And, and you advise the insurance company of it, they know what to put aside potentially in order to compensate you under the policy, right? They'll get certain people to assess the damage, restoration, all that kind of stuff. In the same way, when you're dealing with personal injuries, when an insurance company is advised, when they're told at the beginning that there is an injury, that there is an accident, serious accident, they're trying to figure out on their end how much money they need to put aside to settle your case. And that's why it's important. You need to make sure that the insurance company understands from the outset the significance of the accident and its impact on you. And sometimes that impact is not clear and won't be clear until, you know, several months, if not several years down the road. But it's important to do it right from the beginning. You know, it's like anything else, like a house. If the foundations are rotten, if the lawyer hasn't set proper foundations for your case, well, then at the end of the day, the whole thing will collapse.
1: So as far as you know, as, you know, flowing from the original injuries, what if someone you know doesn't do their due diligence or they're a little bit derelict in their duties as reporting that type of stuff? What's the what's the offshoot of that?
2: Well, the offshoot is the insurance company simply not going to know how much money to put aside, right? And sometimes I think Albert spoke about this on on one of the last shows, you know, where you may have, for example, a right hip injury, but because of that injury you're now favoring your, your left knee as an example, or your gotcha. left uh, leg. And so now you're gonna have left knee issues. And right. some lawyers will not connect the dots that the left knee issues are as a result of the original injury to the right hip. And what that does is again, it doesn't, it doesn't allow the insurance company to then put enough money aside to compensate you for the totality of your injuries, the, the hip and the, the knee. So again, you need to understand, this is all has to be done correctly. And if it's not done correctly, At the beginning and throughout the process, the insurance company will simply miss those things and they will pay you a lot less, which is what they want to do anyways, right? They don't want to pay you money (laughs) or if they do pay money, they want to pay you as little possible. So you got to get the right team on your side that can properly uh, uh, explain to the insurance company the severity and the significance of your injuries.
1: You know, it's interesting. An email's popped up from, uh, I believe it's Danielle. Kind of, it illustrates, you know, to 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 a great degree what you're talking about. She writes in, she says, guys, I was at a conference in Kingston last month. And I went for a walk outside the hotel. I tripped on a pothole, fell on my right knee. Initially, I thought that it would be okay, but after a few days of tremendous pain, I went to my doctor. He sent me to the hospital, and they diagnosed a meniscal tear. Now they say I may need surgery. I don't know what to do. I've always been a very fit person. I ran marathons and was even training for the Ironman. I'm 38 years old and now I don't know how will this uh, how this will affect me long term. I don't understand why the city didn't fill in that pothole. It was large, at least a foot and a half in length and almost a foot deep. I immediately notified the city about this and they want to speak to one of their adjusters. I'm so frustrated and need to understand what I should do or should not be doing. Thank you. Wow. Wow.
3: Well, I'll take this one. So Danielle, it's it's great that you did that you did notify the city right away. And for those listeners that don't know, in Ontario, you typically only have ten days to notify the city of any sort of slip and fall or trip and fall in that w- in which you sustain some injuries. And there's a proper format in terms of how you must notify the city or municipality. So if you're ever involved in a slip and fall on city property or a trip and fall on city property, don't wait until the tenth day to contact a lawyer. Because you don't, you, you don't, you don't want to potentially miss that timeline. It's very, very important that you notify them within those 10 days. You have to contact the lawyer right away. But going back to your problem, Danielle, of course they want you to speak with one of their adjusters. I mean, usually the adjuster wants to record you stating exactly how the accident happened, how you fell, how you injured yourself. And hopefully what they want to do is they want to get some admissions from you that ultimately undermine your claim. And they want to do it before you have a lawyer who actually tells you what sorts of things to say and what sorts of things not to say, not to suggest that you're going to lie or a lawyer is going to tell you to lie, but more so there's certain things which are going to just clearly undermine your claim. And that's usually what an adjuster is hoping to get from you before a lawyer actually gets involved. It is abundantly rare that I ever deal with adjusters. And the reason for that is insurance companies simply don't want to have to pay a lawyer to defend an action. And so the second you actually commence a lawsuit or commence an action, what, what it does is it actually shifts your file out of that particular adjuster's hands and into a law firm's hands. And as soon as it's costing the insurance company money, that's when they start thinking, how can I resolve this? How can I make the pain
2: stop? Devan, so anything to add? No, I agree with you completely. I, I used to deal with adjusters all the time. And by the way, adjusters are are not bad people. I mean, they have a job to do. But one of their jobs is to minimize the risk to the insurance company. And I, I you know, we have friends, I'll give you an example, that uh, it, 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 that um, run a, a winery uh, in Ontario. And mm-hmm. uh, they, they recently had a, a slip and fall that happened there. And they were asking me, you know, what they should do here. And I was explaining to them sort of the process and what they have to do with their insurance company. So I'm talking to them on the other end, right? They're concerned right. that they're going to get sued. Yep. And, and, and it just shows you that both sides are concerned about how they're dealing with each other. The thing is that if you are an individual that's been injured and you are dealing with an adjuster, you have to understand you're dealing with a professional. And that professional's job is to get information, but there is a secondary reason why they are uh, uh dealing with you which is to try and limit the liability or the potential exposure by the insurance company that they represent for paying you anything for your for your uh, um you know injuries and losses and so you need to be very careful it's so completely correct before you speak with an adjuster please speak with us again it won't cost you anything and if After speaking with us, you still want to deal with the adjuster or the insurance company on your own. By all means, go ahead and do that. But at least arm yourself with the information that you need so that you understand sort of what are the pitfalls and what can happen if you give the wrong information, if you say the wrong word, the wrong phrase. You know, we can help you from the outset. So, John, it's very, very important, very important to understand. In this case here, you know, when we're dealing with Danielle's uh, situation here, which is a a very serious uh, uh, injury, uh, we can definitely help her. We'll be in touch with her after the show, and we'll explain
1: to her all her options. Danielle, nicely done. Appreciate you reaching out and contributing to the show, and that'll do it for uh, this evening. We are back, of course, next Friday, and you'll catch our other shows and TV shows as well. Simply go to disabilityrights.ca for all that media information. And for reach out, help at disabilityrights.ca. And the phone number, one 821 5900. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show.
0: The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto.